welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, getting ready for Sunday. So more on that later. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, I should tell you that, uh, as you know, it was very windy recently. It really was. Yeah. Those, uh, those Santa Ana winds made themselves known to the Smith household. Oh, oh because, in a bad way? Uh, not for us. Oh, okay. But uh, so in front, in front of our house, you know, uh, on along the sidewalk, uh, there is a tree that has been dead for forever. Uh, we've actually talked to the city about it and said, Hey, this tree is dead. Can you, it's going to fall over or a, a limb's going to fall or whatever. And it's not on your property. It's, it's not on my front property. of your property. Yeah. Oh. Correct. Uh, and you know, uh, a branch is going to fall off. I mean, we thought it, it might fall and like hit a car or it could fall and like damage our fence or whatever it is. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so the other day, Jen and I were just hanging out. It was in the evening. I believe it was Tuesday. And uh, we heard a very strange creaking noise uh, followed by a crash noise. And so uh, we went outside and saw that sure enough, that tree had fallen over onto somebody's truck. Um, and what's more, it, it didn't break. Like literally this thing was so dead that the, it, like its roots were dead. It, it was like very it wasn't really deep into the ground so it just from the bottom up it just fell right over and it was so dead that as far as i can tell it did no damage to the truck um like it didn't break any it might have dented it a little bit uh here and there but like no windows were shattered or anything like that wow so the truck won in this situation but it's still in the tree just like shattering when it hit <laughs> kind of yeah oh it's all it's all over the street uh it's still there by the way uh the truck is still in front of our house and the tree is still on the truck uh the city has been called many times uh, i assume if by no one else than the owner of the truck um but yeah we've been talking to neighbors and stuff about it and uh yeah so i just wanted you to know that like i know that you like to keep you know, keep tabs on the Santa Ana winds. And I just wanted to let you know, they struck again. <laughs> thanks. For, yeah. I think, thanks for, uh, for, for taking notes on, on the Santa Ana winds latest victim. Yeah, yes, that's exactly. Oh, it's like Jack the Ripper, those Santa Ana winds. All right. So David, what are we doing today? Well, first, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Uh, today, I was listening to a Guatemalan band called uh, Casa Vieja. Uh, they're very, very good. Um, uh, their album is called La Ultima Dia del Sol. And, uh, I would say, I think I might've talked about this before I re recycled certain things. I would say a metal band. Okay. I would say this is a metal band, but not according to the encyclopedia Metallum. There's a, there's a website. It's kind of like the Wikipedia of metal and it's very helpful. It's very detailed. It's very thorough, except it's run by metalheads, which means every once in a while, there's a band that clearly is a metal band that they've decided are not sufficiently sure. metal to be covered by this site. <laughs> and so I went to look up uh Casa Vieja, uh, which means old house, by the way. Um, Got it. Um, on, on the encyclopedia Mattel and, and found that they're, I guess two, too hardcore too much of a like a punk hardcore band but mm. i don't know but then there are bands like nails or ringworm that i think are just as much hardcore bands that are, they are on the encyclopedia i think it's just a matter of taste among the moderators of this this website um but this is a it is a a, a, a weird thing among among metalheads is to police what is and isn't metal and also to be hyper specific about genre um uh, in subgenres, uh, but all of that, if you don't care about all of that crap and you just want to listen to some good, uh, uh, metal music, uh, Casa Vieja is a very good band. It sounded great on my tweaked audio.com earbuds. They're available at a low, low price at tweaked audio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price. So please go to tweaked audio.com and use the offer code pretension. 
Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Also, don't forget to buy our book. Oh, indeed. Yes, yes. You can pre-order our book uh, at BattleshipRetention.com. Our book is Battleship Retention Presents the 101 Best Movies of the 2010s, uh, voted on by, by our listeners and readers. That's you. Uh, and then written up by me, Tyler, Scott, and a... Uh, a ragtag panoply of uh, of BP Misfits. contributors, yeah, yeah, misfits. Um, uh, and that's uh, it's only fourteen ninety nine. You pre order at battleshipretention dot com. There's a there's a thing to click on the on the left hand column of the home page. So yeah, uh, we, please uh, do that. Yeah, it's uh, we're undergoing the the final proof read right now, uh, but the design is, is so done. Excited. Yeah, David just saw it for the first time, uh, and uh, and I'm so glad that he uh, that he liked it because yeah. it's it's not it's not necessarily locked in, but it was pretty close. So I'm glad we didn't have to make any last minute changes. So. <laughs> But yeah, I'm excited about it as well. So I'm excited for people to uh, to read it and and take a look uh, and and see what the contributors uh, wrote because I don't know. It's for our first book. I'm pretty pr- I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get into it, shall we? Okay. Uh, we are going to talk about well, uh, Sundance is coming up. Like I said. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do our annual Sundance preview. And this is obviously a virtual Sundance. We'll be, uh, I'll be watching movies from the comfort of my own home right. uh, this time around, as opposed to uh, flying out to uh, Park City, which uh, is I'm bummed about. I really enjoy going to Sundance every year, but yeah. this would have been my sixth uh, Sundance. Um, uh, but just like Toronto last September, I didn't get to go didn't go to san diego in july probably not going to san diego this july if i'm being uh realistic uh this uh this thing sucks man this uh i know this coronavirus um but what we're gonna do is the the great idea that you came up with that i love um which and i mean that (laughs) that sounded sarcastic but uh uh, I'm going to take the not not the entire uh, slate, but I, I, I've selected a bunch of movies. I'm going to take two at a time, uh, and you have to tell me which one you think is better. This is at least for the audience's sake. This is you helping me pick my schedule. The way that yes. Sundance works is yeah. my schedule is mostly already picked, but there are also the equivalent of press screenings this year that I can just drop in on. And so you actually could convince me to watch something I hadn't prepared to watch, but uh, really we're just going to, I'm just taking two movies uh, mostly at random to compare. And then uh, um, you'll tell me uh, which ones to see. Now, how many matchups do we have here? Do you know offhand? 13, 13. Boom. Let's do it. Yeah. So the first one, uh, should I see the uh, motion picture How It Ends on the day an asteroid is scheduled to obliterate Earth, freewheeling Liza scores an invite to one last wild gathering before it all goes down. This is directed by Daryl Wine and Zoe Lister-Jones. Uh, and uh, all-star cast includes Helen Hunt, Olivia Wilde, Fred Armisen, Lamorne Morris, and Nick Kroll. Okay. So that is... That's How It Ends. How It Ends. And then I didn't really try to pair these together by type, but uh, yeah, uh, these are very Sundancey movies. Okay. Uh, and that, that cast and that premise and like, Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, so the other one, and here's a very Sundancey title. The next movie is called together together. Oh yeah. When 26 year old Anna becomes a gestational surrogate to a single middle-aged app designer named Matt, she expects only a transactional bit of good karma and the payday that will allow her to finish her college degree. But as Matt's unbridled enthusiasm for impending parenthood leads him to persistently insert himself into her life and invite her into his, the initially annoyed Anna finds herself reluctantly charmed. 
written and directed by Nicole Beckwith and starring, uh, um, where's the cast? Uh, Ed Helms, Tig Notaro, and those are the basically names that I know. Uh, mm. All right. So that's how it ends in the, or together, together in the battle of the uh, charmingly offbeat uh, Sundance dramedies. I'll be honest. Neither of them sound particularly good to me. Um, I'm I, for whatever reason, I'm not a fan of Ed Helms. It's, I don't think he's doing anything bad, but for whatever reason, he just, uh, I, I tend not to like the choices that he makes. So let's say how it ends, how it ends is what we're going to, though. I do with. like Tig Notaro, So, you know, it's one thing might off, off, said another but either way if you could skip them both that'd be great uh yeah i don't actually think i plan to see either one (laughs) to watch either one of those okay so that's one down 12 to go uh i really wish that you know i like google docs i have a lot of nice things to say about google docs i wish it were easier to click on links within a google doc it's like a two-step process it's very annoying all right Next up, we've got El Planeta. I think that means the planet. Okay, I'm with you. I'm following you. Uh, after her father's death, Leo leaves her life. See, Leo as a woman's name. Leo leaves her life. What? That's very Sundance. Uh, <laughs> it's just, just going to make fun. I talk about how much I love Sundance and miss it, and apparently I'm just going to make fun of their movie selections. Maybe but, you uh, miss the city. And then you you remove the city and suddenly you're like, I hate this this film festival. Uh, um, All right. After her father's death, Leo leaves her life as a fashion student in London and returns to her hometown of Guion, Spain, where her mother is on the verge of eviction. Uh, So this is uh, directed by Amalia Ullman, um, who apparently is a uh, multimedia artist. I'm not sure if she's directed other films before, but she's uh, done a lot of things uh, 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 otherwise, um, not that many big names associated with it, except weirdly in the cast, director Nacho Vigalondo is in the cast of this movie. Hmm. So I don't know if he's playing himself. Who knows what sort of thing this is? But that's El Planeta. I should tell you because you don't have the uh, you don't have all the the deets. Uh, this one's in black and white. Oh, okay. Of course it is. Okay. Uh. All right. Okay, here we go. Next up, eight for silver. Here's something that multiple people have commented on, by the way. A lot of genre movies this year at Sundance. Okay. And a lot of things that feel kind of dark and bleak. Sure. Makes sense. Eight for silver. In the late 19th century, brutal land baron Seamus Laurent slaughters a Roma clan, unleashing a curse on his family and village. Uh, there's more to it than that, obviously, but I don't want to give too much away. This is uh, directed by Sean Ellis, um, who made a movie that uh, that you saw, and I can't remember if you liked it or not, called Anthropoid. Oh, I did like it. Um, and uh, this one stars uh, Boyd Holbrook and Kelly Riley. I'm guessing this is an Irish movie. Um, I should say, I, the thing I haven't mentioned is, is the bottom of the d- description uh here says contains extreme violence and gore uh i mean so that's eight that, for silver. uh so that and or el planeta i'd pr- i'd probably say it was eight for silver did you say eight, eight for silver eight for silver i think i'd probably go with that one um i tend to favor genre over uh just kind of a, a straightforward drama the other one sounds fine um but uh, i'd go with eight for silver well uh Peek behind the curtain. Both movies are actually on my to see list. All right. All right. So moving on. In the Earth, another genre movie. As uh, oh boy, this is uh, timely. As a deadly virus ravages the world. Okay. Dr. Martin Lowry embarks on a mission to reach test site ATU 327A, a research hub deep in the arboreal forest. Um, this is written and directed by Ben Wheatley. Oh, all right. Um, and uh, let's see. The cast includes who's Joel Fry? Do I? Do you know who that? I don't know if I know. It who that sounds is. familiar. Uh, Haley Squires. That's a name that I know. 
she's in it. So uh, that's in the earth. Okay. Okay. And uh, that is for our purposes up against users. Acclaimed filmmaker Natalia Almada captures the ruthless locomotion of technology. Her camera flies with ferocious speed alongside jet streams, trains, trucks, and underwater cables that carry data at the speed of light. But just as her lens documents the power of frenetic human invention, so does it dive into technology's greatest existential competitor. Rising oceans, crackling fires, scorched mountaintops, a planet at war with so-called societal progress. In the center of the storm, Amada's young son stares unquestioningly into his computer screen and is rocked to sleep by a seamlessly paced electronic crib. He's soothed by forces outside of Almada's, or for that matter, any parent's influence. I normally don't read the whole paragraph, but I was like kind of enjoying how yeah, yeah, overwrought yeah. that was. Yeah, your your tone almost almost convinced me, but then I then I processed what you were saying and realized that that second one, the name of which is what is it? uh users users yeah that sounds insufferable to me uh so, and it, it, it could be that could just be the way it's yeah it's described insufferably but it also could be very beautiful it could be yes absolutely um, yeah i don't so, know who do, i wonder who do the programmers i'm assuming write these or are they submitted by the filmmaker i imagine they'd be submitted by the filmmaker Okay. But I don't well, that actually know. That doesn't bode well. All right, yeah. so your pick is in the earth. Yes. Well, but yeah, uh, that one actually sounds kind of fun. Well, maybe picked, not fun, but... Yeah. Well, you picked right. I'm planning on okay. watching in the earth. Okay. Next up. Two enter, one leaves. Sure. First, okay, we got another, yet another, like, uh, horror type movie here. And it has a very horror name, Knocking. Oh, nice. And oh, man. Okay, I'm going to have fun reading this one. Okay. What is that noise? When Molly hears knocking coming from the ceiling in her new apartment, she naturally searches for, searches for the source. The upstairs neighbors don't know what she's talking about and dismiss her with cool indifference. Is this all in her mind? After all, she's still processing a traumatic event that left her mentally unwell, and the unprecedented heat wave isn't helping her think clearly. As the knocking intensifies and gives way to a woman's cries, Molly becomes consumed with finding out the truth. Could it be Morse code? Is someone trapped? And more importantly, why doesn't anyone care? That's knocking. Directed by, directed by Frida Kempf, and uh, I don't recognize any of the cast. Sounds pretty cool. Okay. Okay. Next up, this uh, this is up against Censor. Directed by Prano Bailey Bond, and uh, again, not starring anyone whose name I know, but uh, an actor named Michael Smiley. So that's fun. Sure. But we've got another horror thing. Uh, film censor Enid. I like that. I like a name. I like Enid as a sure. name, as a character name. Uh, film censor Enid takes pride in her meticulous work, guarding unsuspecting audiences from the deleterious effects of watching the gore filled decapitations and eye gouges gouging. She pours over her sense of duty to protect is amplified by guilt over her inability to recall details of the long ago disappearance of her sister recently declared dead in absentia when Enid is assigned to review a disturbing film from the archive that echoes her hazy childhood memories she begins to unravel how this eerie work might be tied to her past and i just said this one again has a warning uh like uh aid for silverhead the following film contains not just extreme violence and gore but also strobe effects oh man all right watch out watch out epileptics for sure uh so that's uh yeah battle of the horror uh, the one word uh horror movie uh one word title horror movies knocking or censor i think i mean they both sound like they have potential but i think i'm leaning towards censor yep so was i that's on yeah. my list um okay uh, we're tearing through these this is this is fun this damn right fun. we're having a lot of fun here <laughs> i'm having fun reading these descriptions yeah clearly yes oh man Okay, oh, well, I need, I need to take, to a, drink take a drink of water. <laughs> oh, here we go. An actor prepares. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay. Is this something that's going to make me mad? Uh, it's going to make you roll your eyes. Okay, got it. It's called 
RJ, but it's not spelled. It's R with a hashtag in the middle, J. Okay. Okay. A pound sign, but this is the 21st century right. hashtag now. And then you're going to look at your face. Okay. <laughs> okay. In fair Verona, a war as old as time is brewing between oh, rival houses. <laughs> but it's me? being captured in a new way. Montague and Capulet Gen Zers are using their cell phones to document the eruptions of violence plaguing their communities. In the middle of it all, Romeo discovers Juliet's artwork at a party, and the two inevitably fall in love. As tensions between their families escalate, the two plead for peace and desperately search for a way to escape their star-crossed destiny. I'm going to keep going, because after the plot, there's a second paragraph that's like oh, about good. the movie itself. Okay. Told entirely through social media and smartphone screens, this bold adaptation of Romeo and Juliet invents the world's most enduring love story with style and lyricism, with black and brown youth at the heart of it all, blending text messages and Shakespearean dialogue. Yeah, you, you get you get the uh, yes, I do the 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 point. Um, <laughs> I could not include that one. Man, oh man. Um, all right, what's it up against? It's up against a I movie mean, like I wish sleeping in. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could that I could share the image uh, with you because this is my favorite image of the movie of I don't know of all the uh, screen caps they uh, every movie has one screen cap yeah you can't really see that can you there's too much of a glare on it yeah too. I can't quite oh no there we go there we go yeah oh that looks nice yeah it's very cool and scary looking so again we've got what appears to be a horror movie uh, this one's called The Blazing World. Ever since Margaret was six years old, she has been haunted by the memory of watching her sister drown. What, what's with all these dead sisters? I know. Uh, during an explosive fight between her parents. As a young woman, she slides further into her twisted inner life, ultimately finding herself on the brink of suicide. Through an epic journey down the smokiest and scariest corridors of her imagination, she tries to exercise the demons, pushing her closer and closer to the edge. This is directed by Carlson Young. Um, it... Uh, has oh wow uh udo kier dermot moroni and vanessa shaw are all in in okay. this movie the blazing world so yeah tough choice there between our hashtag j and the blazing world i feel like on prince like the blazing world sounds it sounds interesting and certainly that image uh goes a, a long way in in uh yeah i should try to describe it it's a it's a it's a woman um i think it's carlson young the director who also stars in the movie uh and she's in a sort of i guess at the bottom of a stairwell but there's like growth plant growth all over the inside of this foyer or whatever she's in yeah. and everything is lit by a very deep red light yeah. it's very sort of argento meets miss havisham type of look it uh, looks it's it looks very, cool very interesting but i think on principle sometimes you need to find the floor and i think you need to see <laughs> our hashtag j uh and uh, just like as a calibration exactly yes okay like the other movies at sundance will benefit from oh undoubtedly seen yeah. Like before you, J. like before you, you know, shoot something, you have to white balance. This is sort of like a shit balance. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up is a movie called Wild Indian. Okay. Uh, Makwa, a young, oh, I don't know how to say the name of this tribe. Anishinaabe. Maybe. Oh boy. I don't, I don't know. know that. I'm not familiar with that tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, a young Anishinaabe boy has a rough life. He often appears at school with bruises. He says he got fallen down, but falling down, but no one believes him. He and his only friend, Teto like to escape by playing in the woods until the day Makwa shockingly murders a schoolmate. After covering up the crime, the two boys go on to live very different lives. Now as adult men, they must face the truth of what they have done and what they have become. Uh, directed by Lyle Mitchell Corbine Jr., and uh starring uh i don't know the main actors but apparently jesse eisenberg and kate bosworth both Hmm. show up interesting wild indian and that for our purposes is up against on the count of three val gerard gerard carmichael has reached a place where he feels the only way out is to end things oh man suicide is like a really uh I said, I told you this year's crop was uh, absolutely. Dark. Yeah. Sorry. So Val Gerard, Gerard, Car- I can't say Gerard Carmichael without stopping and thinking about it. Val Gerard Carmichael. There we go. 
has reached a place where he feels the only way out is to end things, but he, but he considers himself a bit of a failure, his effectiveness lacking. So he figures he could use some help as luck would have it. Val's best friend, Kevin Christopher Abbott is recovering from a failed suicide attempt. So he seems like the perfect partner for executing this double suicide plan. But before they go, they have some unfinished business to attend to. So that's on the count of three. Apparently I'm going to guess a very dark comedy, uh, directed by yeah. comedian, uh, um, and written by comedian or no, not written. Sorry. He didn't write it, uh, but it's directed by comedian Gerard Carmichael and it stars him and Christopher Abbott. Uh, also Tiffany Haddish, JB smooth, Lavelle Crawford and Henry Winkler. So points for the cast here on cast. the count of three. Uh, but is, is it enough to be more intriguing than wild Indian? Um, I think, what I've seen of, of Gerard Carmichael, I do think that uh, it will probably be certainly funny and probably have a, a certain degree of sensitivity to it. But it also, at its core, the idea, it's like, it, it sounds very Sundance, you know, it's like, oh, it's a dark comedy about suicide, like a double yeah. suicide. Um, the other one also sound uh, Wild Indian also sounds uh, a little bit like that, but I do, the concept of that sounds more interesting to me. The idea of this happening when they're kids and then, you know, flashing forward to many years to when they're adults. I think that kind of thing appeals to me more. So I think I'd probably go with that. And that's when that's the conclusion I arrived at as well. I plan on yeah. watching wild Indian, especially, I mean, we, we, uh, so much of a recent years we've talked about representation. There still aren't that many yeah. movies made by native Americans set among, uh, uh, native Americans set in the native American setting. Um, so wild Indian definitely gets, uh, some intrigue just for, for that, uh, uh, all, all too rare, uh, element. Okay. So the next two first up is first date. Okay. Mike, a high school kid with a crush, finally summons the courage to ask Kelsey out on a date. With a date, but no wheels, Mike borrows money and gets duped into buying a clunker 65 Chrysler. Although many a first date goes awry. Although wouldn't you want to go? Okay. Although many a first date goes awry, wouldn't it be although many a first date go awry? Many is plural. Yes, I would say go awry. Yeah. Okay. Well, it says goes here. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Although many a first date go awry, Mike's, Mike's swiftly descends into a surreal misadventure that finds him inexplicably targeted by a pair of cops, a criminal gang, and a vengeful cat lady with all roads leading to a showdown. So this sounds like one of those all in one night, uh, madcap comedy struck by Manuel Crosby, uh, and Darren Knapp. And, um, no names that I recognize in the cast. So that's first date. And that is up against, this is obviously just for these purposes because I've actually already seen this movie. Uh, Night of the Kings. Philippe Lacote's, Lacote's gripping second feature, Night of the Kings, has won acclaim in major fil- film festivals since it premiering at the Venice International Film Festival. We'll show to share it at Sundance. A new arrival at Ivory Coast infamous Maka Prison is quickly anointed the institution's Roman, a griot instructed to tell stories for the population at the command of reigning inmate king, the ailing Blackbird, Blackbeard. Anyway, I already saw this one. I already talked about it in the movie journal, um, but that's struck by... So Felipe first date Lacote it is. And uh, starring... Mostly actors you haven't heard of, but Denis Levant. All right, so you're picking first date. Well, I mean, the other one sounds much better, and your <laughs> okay. your comments about it sound uh, you know made it sound interesting to me. Yeah, so uh, we, I think let's pick Night of the Kings. Okay, yeah, yeah. If I'm pretending that I haven't seen it for the purpose of the podcast, you sure. can just pick with the one that sounds better to you. All right, let's get the next two suckers up on the chopping block here (laughs) Um, all right john and the hole john and the hole okay john and the hole while while exploring the neighboring woods 13 year old john discovers an unfinished bunker a deep hole in the ground seemingly without provocation he drugs his affluent parents and older sister and drags their unconscious bodies into the bunker where he holds them captive so that's John and the hole. Okay. I, I skipped over his parents are played by Michael C. Hall and Jennifer L. And his older sister is played by, uh, Taisa Formiga, an actress I quite like actually. Okay. And, um, so that is John and the hole directed by Pasquale Sisto. 
Okay. Doesn't say if he's in a relation to Jeremy Sisto. Does not include that. In I would place. assume so. It's part uh, of the Sisto dynasty here yeah. in Hollywood. Um, next up is Coda. Uh, Ruby is the only hearing member of a deaf family. Sorry, deaf family. At 17, she works mornings before school to help her parents and brother keep their Gloucester fishing business afloat. But in joining her high school's choir club, Ruby finds herself drawn both to her duet partner and her latent passion for singing. So that's Coda, and it is directed by... It's an Irish name. I'm going to guess it's pronounced like Sean, but it's S I A N Sean header, but it's, yeah. um, and, uh, the only, uh, Oh, uh, so Marley Madeline, Madeline plays the oh, okay. girl's mom. And, uh, apparently Eugenio Derbez from the, uh, overboard remake, yeah. uh, sh- shows up, uh, in this. So those are your choices. Then is it going to be John and the whole, or coda i would say john and the whole um while i do you know like like what we were talking about with uh, wild indian it's always interesting to see uh sort of a subculture or or a specific community and the idea of a deaf family uh is something you know seeing a number of, of deaf characters is something that we don't see very often i just watched sound of metal that was very interesting right. um but i do think story-wise certainly john and the whole intrigues me um i feel like it could go any number of directions um so i'd say probably that one all right well luckily i don't actually have to make that choice because i intend to watch both all right then all right next up is prisoners of the ghostland okay probably ghostland probably yes um oh here we go okay in the treacherous frontier city of Samurai Town, a ruthless bank robber, Nicholas Cage, is sprung from jail by wealthy warlord, the governor, Bill Mosley, whose adopted granddaughter, Bernice, Sophia Butella, has gone missing. The governor offers the prisoner his freedom, his freedom in exchange for retrieving the runaway. Strapped into a leather suit that will self-destruct within five days, the bandit sets off on a journey to find the young woman and his own path to redemption. This is directed by Sion Sono. Uh... And uh, as mentioned, stars Nicolas Cage, Sophia, Buto- Sophia Butella, and Bill Mosley. Also, Nick Cassavetes shows up. So this is mm. uh, uh, another sort of gonzo genre, violent yeah. genre movie starring Nicolas Cage. That's what Prisoners, was the name of it again? Prisoners of the Ghostland. Okay. And it takes place in Samurai Town. Sure. Um, yeah. The, the image here is... Uh, a bearded Nicolas Cage screaming with a sawed-off shotgun in his hand. All right. All right. So that's Prisoners of the Ghostland. And uh, I am putting that up against a movie that could not be more different. A documentary called My Name is Polly Murray. It's not often we're introduced to a true luminary, and Polly Murray was just that, as well as a lawyer, black activist, feminist, poet, and priest. Murray questioned systems of oppression and conformity throughout the mid-20th century with a radical vision consistently ahead of the times. Murray's trailblazing legal foresight influenced landmark civil rights decisions, decisions, plural, and gender equality legislation that transformed our world. This is directed by Betsy West and Julie Cohen, who uh, made uh, RBG, the uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, puff piece, hagiography. Um, and uh yeah it's about uh someone named Polly Murray. So that's uh I w- th- that that's this this uh twofer is what you call counter programming. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's going to be clear anyone listening is very clear about which one of these they want to see, but it's not always going to be the same one. So Prisoners of the Ghostland or My Name is Polly Murray. Probably Prisoners of the Ghostland just uh sorry Ghostland, pardon me. Yeah. Um but uh, the other one, of course, sounds interesting. I'm sure it will be very informative and you'll learn about someone that you probably didn't know about. So there is that. That's always a benefit. Um, but yeah, it's Ghostland and Samurai Town. Are you kidding me? Yeah. What, what choice do you have? All right. Next. Yeah. And uh, same, I made the same choice. I'm planning on watching Prisoners of the Ghostland. Here we go. Next up, Violation. Oh, man unhappily married Miriam and Caleb 
join Miriam's somewhat estranged sister Greta and husband Dylan. So I already got unhappy marriage and somewhat estrangement. Well, at least the sister's not dead. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, not at this point in the description. Yes, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Who knows what's coming? Uh, at a lakeside cabin for a weekend of relaxation and reconciliation. Feeling spurned in attempts to connect with both Greta and Caleb, Miriam increasingly retreats to the easy comfort of her friendship with the affable Dylan. After a transgressive act of sexual violence, the film's narrative narrative vividly fractures, disorienting audiences while inextricably tying their experience to Miriam's as she embarks on a vicious crusade of revenge. That's mm-hmm. Violation, directed by Madeline Sims Fewer. And uh, no one in the cast whose name I know. Oh, sorry. It said there, we got a co directing thing here, don't we? Uh, Madeline Sims Fewer and Dusty Mancinelli. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. If I got a plate of Dusty Mancinelli, I'd send it right back. <laughs> That's a uh, violation. Oh, well done. You would certainly feel violated if that were to happen. (laughs) Next up is a documentary called The Sparks Brothers. Sparks is your favorite band's favorite band and soon to be yours too. Whether you're, whether or not you're aware of it, Sparks likely, likely had a hand in something you're fond of. This is a band that has been in the background of almost every art form across the last 50 years. Growing up in the 60s, Los Angeles brothers Ron and Russell got on by a heavy diet of popcorn matinees and pop music until the spotlight of school talent shows eliminated their way on a musical journey that has so far spawned 25 studio albums. Now, this is a documentary about the band Sparks. What I haven't done yet is revealed to you the name of the director okay edgar wright oh so that that definitely i mean violation i'm sure is i'm sure it's very good it sounds very intense probably too intense for me honestly uh and the idea it's it's always interesting to me when when a narrative director makes a documentary um especially a narrative director who has such energy as as an edgar Wright style yeah and style so i feel like it'd be really interesting to see what he brings to to something like that i mean obviously we've talked about when martin scorsese or spike lee makes documentaries like they're some of the some of the most uh visually uh and tonally interesting documentaries we've ever seen and so i feel like edgar wright sort of throwing his hat into that ring is is something that uh, i'd be curious about Okay, so you're picking Sparks. I'm, I actually didn't put either of those in my to-watch list, but I have, after reading that full description of Violation, I'm kind of wondering if maybe I should have, because um, that does sound like my kind of movie. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, all right. So next up is another documentary, okay. All Light Everywhere. The observer effect is a term used in physics to describe the process in which the act of observation disturbs the system that's being observed. Oh, I heard all about that on the man who wasn't there. (laughs) Humans are such observers and we have our inherent limitations, biases and blind spots that skew how we perceive and interpret, perceive and interpret, not perceive. That's not a word. Mm -hmm. Um, In his remarkable kaleidoscopic essay film, Theo Anthony investigates the correlation between how we see things and the tools and practices involved in the act of seeing. So that's directed by Theo Anthony, who made a documentary a few years ago called Rat Film, which I never saw but heard was very good. Um, And yeah, so that one's called All Light Everywhere. And uh, okay. I'm going to read this whole, this is a long description, but I'm going to okay. read the whole thing. Cause it includes, uh, it includes information that you will want. Okay. This movie is called land. When Edie's life is tragically altered, I'm assuming her sister dies. She loses the ability to connect with the world and the people she once knew. She retreats to a forest in the Rocky mountains with a few supplies and leaves her old life behind indefinitely. The beauty of her new surroundings is undeniable yet quickly humbling as she struggles to adjust and prepare for the winter ahead. When Edie is caught on the brink of death, a local hunter and his family miraculously save her, but she alone must find a way to live again. Acclaimed actress, Robin Wright returns to Sundance film festival with her directorial debut. 
set in the picturesque but unforgiving wilds of nature. Wright stands out in her performance as Edie, a woman lost in grief, while Damien Bashir's subdued and charming presence depicts an unexpected and reflective companion who questions Edie's abrupt choices. Land is quiet yet masterful journey into the complex desire for solitude as a woman searches for meaning in the vast and harsh American wilderness. So yes, this is directed by and starring Robin Wright. You've also got uh, Damien Bashir in the cast and the great Kim Dickens. So oh uh, you and I have boy. talked about skepticism around actors, directorial debuts. I would say having seen and loved one night in Miami, I'm a little bit more sure. optimistic. Just also, I like Robin Wright as an actress and, and so I think, I think she always makes interesting choices and You know, to the film's credit, it there's a certain degree of ambition to it, you know, like filming out in the in the forest like that could be this is not like a small self-contained actors showcase. Well, probably is that, but it's not like just a series of rooms and people talking or something like that. So uh, I'd I'd say probably go with that one because I like all three of those actors and that that goes a a long way as well. Uh, Well, uh, I'm in luck because I get to see both. All right. All right. We got, uh, this is our penultimate challenge. Okay. Tyler, I did not put these in any order, so I'm not, I'll try not to let you down. The last ones are going to be, uh, any more intriguing. All right. Okay. This first one is called, I was a simple man. Okay. The rushing wind on the North shore of Oahu, Hawaii never stops. It constantly rustles the leaves outside Masao's house, providing a balmy sonic backdrop. Nature is both a driving force and a spiritual indicator in, in I Was a Simple Man, the second feature from writer-director Christopher Makotoyogi. When Masao is healthy, his plants thrive. When a terminal sickness encroaches, the plants wither and die. The island's ambient noises, the waves, the wind, the birds, thread through the film's time-shifting sh- chapters, from the pre-World War II sugar plantations of Oahu to Hawaii statehood to the present gentrification of Honolulu. Um, okay wow uh, not to tip my hand though, but that sounds good <laughs> uh, that's uh, uh, up against for our purposes at least Pleasure this is a Swedish film newly arrived Swedish transplant Bella Cherry coyly announces to an airport sorry to an airport immigration not airport <laughs> Uh, a bug's bunny here to an airport immigration official that she's come to Los Angeles for pleasure. But upon her subsequent dive into the world of adult entertainment, she soon realizes it is clearly business though. She warms to the friendly affirmations of the more seasoned girls eager, but green Bella relies on her instincts to navigate her experiences with predatory managers, male dominated sets and backbiting competitors. This one has a little uh, disclaimer as well contains graphic sexual content and sexual violence, not suitable for audience is under 18 uh, the director's name here is because she's swedish it's probably pronounced ninja but i want to say just on paper this director's first name is ninja so that's pretty cool oh man uh, ninja thyberg is the director and um uh no real recognizable names in the cast t- to me so that's uh i was a simple man or pleasure <sighs> That's it's tough. Pleasure actually sounds really, I mean, it sounds difficult, but it sounds very interesting. Um, again, it looking at a very specific subculture and one that a lot of people, including myself in the past, like have just like part, you know, partaken in partook in, I don't know, uh, which partaken. Okay. Um, and then we don't really think about, what could be behind it. So that definitely is interesting, but maybe just by, from the description alone, I, I was, I was a simple man or I am a simple man. I, I was a simple man. I was a simple, like that, that sounds very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I keep has, say, they all sound interesting. I keep using yeah. that word, but I think that's the one I'd probably go with. Honestly. I, I, when I was reading the description, cause the description makes it sound like kind of uncle Boone me ish. Um, and I was like, 
I doubled back to my list to make sure that I secured a ticket. I was a simple man because now I really want to, I wanted yeah. to see it when I was going through all of these, you know, but now I really want to see it. So I'm, I'm actually planning on watching both of, of those movies. Um, and I think, am I planning on watching both of, no. Okay. All right. This one, both these movies sound good. Um, but this one will be kind of a layup for reasons that will be, uh, obvious. So the first movie is called a glitch in the matrix. Oh, uh, have you heard of it? I have. Yes. yes it's a new movie and... from our friend Rodney Asher. Yes. Um, so for those who don't know, Rodney Asher returns to the festival with his fascinating and visually stimulating documentary examining simulation theory. The idea that this world we live in might not be entirely real. Um, so, uh, yeah, a uh, new documentary from Rodney Asher and I'm putting that up against, uh, a, Great title here. Uh, another black and white movie. The dog who wouldn't be quiet. Mm. Sebastian politely faces his neighbors who complain about his dog's cries and similarly react, reacts to his employers who forbid pets in the work workplace. A series of peculiar and challenging moments like this follow as Sebastian changes jobs and reconnects with his mother. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to read this. Uh, at yeah. one point, along with the new responsibility of being a father that came out of nowhere, Sebastian must contend with an unknown pandemic. One that requires the bizarre preventive measures of walking crouched down and wearing expensive bubble headgear at times, disaffected at other times, cautiously optimistic. Every man, Sebastian. So shows surprisingly shows surprising resilience through it all. So this sounds more like one of those, quirky movies and yeah this is, I, uh, directed by anna katz um who is um argentinian or argentine i'm still not quite sure uh which one you're supposed to say uh and so yeah this like i said kind of a layup is it going to be a glitch in the matrix or the dog who wouldn't be quiet you know it's interesting in the in the description of the dog who wouldn't be quiet i was it I kind of loved it up until a very specific point. Like the yeah. idea of your workplace won't allow dogs and the dog when left alone is making noise. Like on one hand, that seems like a very, and you know, and it's bothering the neighbors and stuff on one hand, that seems like a very small dilemma, but it's a very real dilemma for people. And so the idea of that, if that's what it was going to be, it was like, was this Umberto D this, this sounds great. Yeah. Um, but then they just kept adding these other things that made it quirkier. And part of me is just like, yeah. ah, you, you had me and then you lost me. Yeah. So even, but I'll say this, like the, the description of glitch in the matrix is only mildly interesting to me, but, but because I, what we but, know about Rodney. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. So right, I'm sure I'm sure he will do wonders with it. I loved room 237. Uh, and, and I really, I really love the nightmare. So yeah, it's, uh, obviously that one. Uh, yeah, I, that's also on my, on my list. The dog who wouldn't be quiet. I basically, I just liked the title and I liked this black and white, uh, the image for the, uh, yeah. the, the screen cap or whatever. Um, but speaking of the thing you were talking about, the, the dogs is, uh, we used to have downstairs neighbors, but not directly below us, below us and over one in the apartment okay. building. And they had a dog that barked all day. And we, because we were over one apartment, it didn't really bother us. But the man who right. lived, who used to live next door to us, it was driving him crazy to be yeah. like, it became a big point of contention between this couple and this man who lived next to us. And one time, <laughs> do you remember the, the, the scene in, wait, have you never seen four weddings and a funeral or you have seen no it? i've seen it yeah okay the scene in four weddings and a funeral where hugh grant uh the the couple the, the two people come come into this room to like have sex during the the party and he like tries to duck into a closet and they can't hide it like he can't hide and eventually he has to just like step out and be like hello and like let himself out <laughs> yes. of the room yes. so there was a time when uh it was on mother's day. I can't remember what year it was. It might've been father's day. I think it was on mother's day though. And Natalie and I had to go, we were like going to brunch with her family, but right outside our door, our next door neighbor was screaming down the stairs at the couple with the, with the dog. And they were yelling back and forth. Um, the, you know, the, the husband of the couple downstairs was getting very, uh, 
protective about the fact that this man was yelling at his wife and, and sure. it was like very awkward and we were like kind of like yeah we were waiting like as long as we could we're like we, I, don't, I don't want to go out there in the middle of this but at a certain point we're like we're gonna be late for brunch if we and don't either go. one we of them could have to like either one of them could have tried to like recruit you onto their side in that situation right yes yes that's exactly exactly right um so we yeah we just like sorry we had to like and yeah i got past it. it was very awkward we interrupted the screening match to absolutely out of the car <laughs> man what a t- what a tough situation yeah for everyone uh all right well uh that's it you've helped me uh nail down my sundance schedule i'm glad i could help uh, i'm trying to think if there's any movies that are on my schedule that we didn't even get to yeah there are a couple of documentaries that i'm planning on watching that i didn't even bother putting but you know what we'll save those for the sundance wrap-up episode which i'm guessing you're probably not going to be on this year maybe maybe not i don't know who knows um all right well uh you can find us at battleshippretension.com you can email us at david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com you can find you can follow me david on twitter at davy pretension uh this week at the at the website you can check out my reviews of um the white tiger and coming clean those mm-hmm. reviews uh should be up by the time you hear this you can follow tyler on twitter at tyler pretension tyler david anything to plug this week yes there is a new episode of more than one lesson um it is about uh, blow the man down and so that is available at more than one and you can find it on itunes and various other uh podcast platforms uh well until then uh thank you for listening we'll get you next time bye bye This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 